Welcome to the Fem Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White of Gannon, the down-to-earth chick with a different name. Entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to the Fem Nation podcast. Today, I have Claudia Garbutt with Pear Tree Pond. I'm excited to have this conversation today with Claudia because she brings an amazing opportunity to uncover a lot of things to the table, as well as her entrepreneurial journey because she is an expert at what she does. So thank you, everyone, for coming and listening today. Claudia, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with the very first question, the main question, the one question we all want to know. How did your entrepreneurial journey begin? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wish I could say that my entrepreneurial journey has been straightforward, but it really hasn't. It's been more like the opposite of straightforward, to be honest. So I'm a molecular biologist by profession, and I really love science. So you might be wondering why I'm not working as a biologist anymore. Well, there are a couple of reasons for that. So when my son was born in 2015, I was still working on a PhD project in physiology in New Zealand. And at that point in time, my scholarship had already run out. So I wasn't getting paid to work. I was paying to work. And um, also my research funding had run out. So I didn't even have the money to finish my last lab experiments. And so that was already a pretty tough situation. But then we found out that I was pregnant again, just six months after our son was born. So at that point in time, I decided that it would be best uh, to cut my losses, if you want, and move back to Germany to have more help with, uh, from my family. Because being at the other side of the world, having a baby and another one on the way, no funding, no income, that was really a very bad place. <laughs> I'm sure that that was difficult. There were some difficult days there. Yeah, yeah, there was. But I wasn't really frustrated so much because I saw it as an opportunity to to really focus on my priorities. And at that point in time, my priorities were with my family. So I really wanted to concentrate more on my family and being there for my kids, obviously. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, those, let's say the maybe... (laughs) two or three first years of being a mom, I didn't really have the energy to think about getting back to work at all. It was all so overwhelming. Mm. My kids were really fuzzy babies and they didn't like to sleep. So I ran on a couple of hours of sleep sleep and a lot of caffeine. So uh, it took me quite some time uh, to get into a better headspace, I would say. So in hindsight, I think I suffered from quite a severe depression that I wasn't really aware of at the time. 
But every morning felt just like the day ahead was this huge obstacle that I somehow somehow had to get over, even though I didn't know how that was going to happen. So yeah, it was quite a difficult time. But once I finally got to a place where I had this headspace to think forward, um, I got a lot clearer on what it was that I was wanting to do. And that was to find another line of work that was more flexible. So while I love science, um, I had never really been a huge fan of the 24-7 lab work that was required from the PhD student or just from anyone in academia, really. So um, I, I wanted to find something that was more suitable for a new mom, I would say. And since we moved to a small village in Germany, I wanted to find something that didn't rely on living in a big city with either a university or a biotech companies around and something that didn't require a lab or other super expensive equipment, um, something that was flexible and that I could do whenever I wanted to do and from wherever, because at that point in time, we weren't quite sure if we were going to stay in Germany or if we were going to go back to New Zealand at some point in time. So I was just not sure. Um, and so, yeah, um, I was just trying to find something that would tick all the boxes. But then um, I was also, well, being, being a biologist was a big part of my identity. So even just thinking about doing something entirely different threw me in a kind of identity crisis because I really wasn't sure what else I could be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so the only thing that I could think of that kind of ticked all those boxes was to find something online. And I had no experiences whatsoever doing anything online. And I thought internet business was dubious, dubious at best. <laughs> and I really wasn't sure, if anything, what I could do online. So when I told my mom, she thought I was completely crazy. And she thought I should go back, finish my PhD and get a real job. And yeah, well, part of me, so probably my rational mind, totally agreed there was something inside me that completely disagreed too, because I didn't want to go back to what I was doing before. So deep down in my heart, I knew I wanted to create a new way of life uh, and a life on my own terms. Mm -hmm. So still I had no idea what I could do to get started. And so I decided just to follow the joy because what else can you do, right? If you have, if you don't know what to do, you just, go with what you enjoy. So at least that made sense for me. And I thought about all the things that I enjoyed that had nothing to do with biology at that time, point in time <laughs> and that I could do online. And that led me to dabble in photography and graphic design. And so I started to sell some photos and, um, and designs through print-on-demand signs like Society 6 or Redbubble. And I also started a blog because I love writing. But so on the, on the one hand, I really enjoyed the creative process. Mm -hmm. And this was 
but but I also felt that something was was missing. So I felt quite lonely because there was no human connection. You were just sitting in front of the computer all day long. And I also struggled a lot with things like the imposter syndrome because I felt that I had no idea what I was doing or the fear of rejection or judgment and fear of failure, all those things that you that come up when you start something new and you're not quite sure what you're doing. And that led me, or I've, I felt that all those worries and the anxieties, they really held me back. And I noticed that I found excuses to not do the things that I should have done to gain more visibility or to sell some more of my digital product, products that I had created. And I also saw that so many people struggled with the exact same things, right? So I noticed the common negative thought patterns and the self-sabotaging behaviors. And I started to dive deeper into what drives these things. So I started to learn more about all the mindset pieces and how they fit together, about psychology and the neuroscience and biology behind it all. And I, and I was hooked. I found it so fascinating. It was like the, the puzzle pieces that had been missing my entire life. So all those connections that I had never really been aware of. So um, I thought, how come nobody teaches those things? You should really learn those things at school, right? It's, it's crazy. You, you learn all these random facts, but nobody, nobody tells you how to use your mind and how to work on your fears. So I started to learn things like cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-music programming. And I used those techniques and mindfulness. Well, yeah, mindfulness is connected too. And I used those techniques to work on my own mindset. And I also created a set of um, healthy habits around it. And this completely transformed my mindset and my energy levels. So that's when it finally clicked. And I thought, oh, wow. This, this is really what I should be doing because this brings everything together. This combines my scientific background, so my love for science, because I really don't like the, the whole woo-woo kind of mindset stuff that's out there. That's, that was just something that um, I couldn't really identify with. Sure. And that wasn't, that wasn't for me. So that's probably also the reason why I had never picked up any of those self-help books because there were also woo-woo out there and as a scientist it was just it was it felt wrong so now I had finally found the let's say scientific evidence of what worked and how I could bring it all together and how I can really use proven techniques to change those invisible things you know, the, the mindset pieces. So this is what I wanted to do. And it felt amazing because it really brought everything together. So my science background, my experiences, and also um, my, my personality because I'm someone who, who loves to nurture. That's probably also because, uh, that's probably also why I'm such an avid gardener. I just love to see things grow and nurture them. So coaching, coaching other people on this really brings everything together for me. 
and is 100% aligned with my personality, my skills, and my interests. Yeah, so and the cherry on top is I get to be my best client. <laughs> right, because obviously you had to work on you. Yes, and I still do. So it's a process. I think mindset work is always a process. It's you're never really done. And I know for, for me, I'm a very anxious person in general. And it probably didn't help that I grew up with a very anxious mom and a narcissistic dad. So I think there's a lot of programming, unconscious programming. But all this programming, it leaves, um, well, you, you can see it or it, it forms connections in your brain. And you never really get rid of those connections. So you can weaken them and you can create new ones. But the old ones are still kind of there. And every now and then you still activate them. And well, all the old fears might come back. And you just have to have the tools to work on them. To, yeah. Right. That makes total sense too. Uh, and I, I definitely, in the online space, you find a lot more of the woo stuff. Um, and... and with a very analytical, logical, you know, background that I worked on myself and truth be told, it was because a lot of my early pathways was, um, it's, it was opinionated and subjective and it fit, you know, the argument at the time or the reason why we were raised a certain way or, you know, all those things. And I needed something that was concrete. I need something that I could fall back on. So I've, you know, I, I see the woo stuff. I'm very, um, believe that there is a, uh, an ability to be intuitive. Um, but I also believe that there's a lot of overlap and a lot of just coming to this as opinion. So having to decipher all of that information in the online space is becoming daunting. And so people need to have processes and procedures and real results, not just you know, sit back and it's all going to fix itself because you will it to, or it's all going to show up for you because you want it to. There's still hard work, you know, yeah. especially when growing a business, you still have to put some effort behind this. You can't, we can talk about, you know, um, all the internal stuff, all the self-help, all the development manifestation, all of those things. And I had a previous podcast where her and I did talk about this, that yes, you can't sit on the couch and manifest and just expect 600 bucks to fall in your lap. You have to go out and act, put action steps behind it. But there's an awareness that comes from being able to be aware of the change you want to make and move towards it. Yes, then it does. Yeah. But my, my, my analytical logical brain needed the action. It has to have something concrete. Yeah. And the other thing that I really don't like about this manifestation, law of attraction kind of thing, I think it's it's nice as long as it I mean it can absolutely work because there are mechanisms right. behind that, right. that that work because it's there you you focus on your goals right and then you go after them and obviously that's a good thing to do but there's also the other side or the yeah the other side where uh, people think if it's not working they bring bad things onto themselves which I really think that is terrible, terrible, because you don't get sick because you haven't forgiven someone or, you know, you don't bring everything onto yourself. You don't have an accident because something in your mindset isn't right or you don't manifest everything. There are still accidents and things that are out of your control. 
Right. And sometimes people miss this bit and then it can get really frustrating and people can get, you can feel so guilty for bringing the terrible stuff into their lives. And that's just something that I mean. And that's taking on, that's taking on something that's not necessary to take on that way. And so I believe that the space and time we're in with the, with the rise of this conversation and this, these, these types of, um, modalities, if you will, uh, of, of self-development. But I really believe that the back end of it can be much more detrimental to people that aren't ready for it. It aren't ready to make those changes. Don't have a concrete plan of doing it. It's not easy work. Changing how you think, changing what you do, how you approach things, giving yourself coping skills or, you know, bridging gaps, all of those things take work to figure out exactly the right way to do it that can have the right outcomes. Otherwise, if you just lose the UC all the way around with it, you're going to take on the things and that can be, you, you could be worse off in the long run than you were before you started it. And that's where someone like you is so very important because you can help them see it that way, see it the right way. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But how, how do you define success? Oh, well, that's a good question. So success for me isn't a defined point. It, it's not something that you reach and it's not a number in your bank account. It's more of a process, if that makes sense. So it's, even though that might sound cheesy, it's going in or moving into the direction of fulfilling your potential, if you want. So does that make sense? Exactly. <laughs> No, that, that completely makes sense. And the reason I ask that question, I ask it every uh, frequently, maybe in different words, but I ask it frequently because part of the reason the podcast is that women entrepreneurs have a harder time uh, measuring their success where they're at. We always project it forward uh, consistently. And we always bring so much around the context of what success is, that's very difficult for us to measure it. And I want women to measure success. I want women to say, I am an entrepreneur. I am successful because I, I am in the game. I built a business. I'm building a business. I'm making an impact. And the, the entrepreneurs, by and large, that I have spoken to do not measure success by dollars. Mm -hmm. They don't measure success by material possessions. It is by creating a better world or making an impact or improving who they are. And that is truly where women entrepreneurs contribute to the better common good of their family, their community, their clients, all the above. So yes, it's that, that was excellent. That was absolutely excellent because it's not measurable by a specific number. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. What is one accomplishment in your entrepreneurial journey that you feel very proud of? Ooh. Uh, at the moment, I'm building a Facebook community that I'm very proud of. So um, this is what I really want to do in my Facebook uh, group is that I'm creating this community. So I don't like all these Facebook groups that people just use to self-promote. So what I really want to do in there is to create an environment where people or where female entrepreneurs help each other out and they help each other grow. And I really like to, um, to create an environment where they feel comfortable to share their struggles and they, to share their successes and to cheer each other on because that's also something um, 
that you that a lot of people might not feel comfortable sharing because they think others might be envious or jealous when they're successful. So I really want to create this sort of community where they can share their successes and their struggles and really help each other grow. So I'm also bringing on um, guest experts and so they can learn and grow together. And that's something that's really rewarding and it's nice to see that it's actually growing. Mm -hmm. And it's more for the community aspect of lifting women up. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard enough as it is out there, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I always think that collaboration is so much better than competition. So it's always collaboration over competition. And there's enough out there for everyone. So I'm not afraid of people in there sharing their offers or something. I'm not afraid that they steal clients or something like that. So it's really the community aspect of it all. Absolutely. How do you how do you see yourself growing your business in the next year? Well, for the next year, I'm focusing on filling my one-on-one um, coaching program. But in the long run, I think I would also like to create things like online summits because, as I said, I really like the collaboration aspect. So bringing together um, lots of different experts from different um, entrepreneurial or from different business backgrounds they that all can come together and create something amazing so that's something I wanted to do and in the long run probably also creating a mastermind where we'll have more like live events where we all get together and have live events because that's that's also something that I think is very valuable to really meet in person and get to know people it's still different i mean it's online is great but life is still different right right <laughs> it, absolutely the in real life component is much more desired now though that since yeah. we had shifted away and then now people want that back you know because we became, became isolated in our own community uh, you know? yeah. True. And I also think that just having a place where you go to is such a nice pattern interrupt. So it really opens up your mind to all the new ideas and the new people you meet. So I think that's something that's fantastic. Tell me how you, um, how you learn to get out of your own way for yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. You mentioned that a little bit earlier. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that is something, um, well, it's probably mostly based on cognitive behavioral therapy. So what we do is we try to catch those automated negative thoughts that come up in your head when you face a challenge. Like say you're invited to go on a podcast interview and the first thought that pops into your head is like, oh my God, I'm making a fool out of myself. I'm going to be terrible. So you try to catch those initial thoughts and um, the feelings that come up with the feelings, uh, with the thoughts, because thoughts lead to feelings and then they lead to habits, right? Because when you associate negative feelings with your thought, you want to avoid it. So it might go from, oh, I'm going to screw up, it's going to be terrible, to feeling sad. No probably not sad, feeling anxious, and then you try to avoid the thing that you wanted to do initially. So this is getting in your own way. And then you have to 
what we call dispute the thought. So you, you try to find arguments for and against the thoughts. So you try to collect evidence. And then it's, it's really writing a list. So what evidence do I have that this and this will occur? And then you go through all the things. And there's also something that is called habits of the mind. So your mind has just like you get up in the morning and you have a coffee and you have breakfast, your mind tends to have habits of its own. And this, these are, are often um, distortions in your thought process. So people tend to think like black and white thinking. So I'm never going to be successful or I will always be alone as an example for black and white thinking. So you think something will always be the same way or never be the like you wanted it to be, or you take things personally. So people didn't sign up for your offer, which means they don't like your content, which means you suck, which means you're a complete failure and you're not lovable and that kind of thing. So you try to catch your thought process and bring it back to, well, to reality. <laughs> so that has been really helpful. Who's your favorite author? Oh, goodness. I'm reading so Not a textbook. Not a textbook, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been only reading textbooks in the last year, probably. Um, the one that I recently read and really liked was Murray Folio's new book, um, Everything's Figureoutable. Not yes. sure if you've read it. But yeah, I loved it. It's such a good... Um, such a good core belief to have that everything is figureoutable and you're not doomed you can you can manage and you can get through everything well and the fact that today's not the last second the last moment uh, and really there's a lot of uh, we get stuck in we live in the future we uh, as humans i have found and this is just in not even actual research, but just in all the many questions I've asked, thousands and thousands of questions I've asked over the years. But so often we find that we live for the future. So we're always projecting forward, but we're stuck in the moment. Mm -hmm. So we're not even living in the present. We're stuck in the moment. So everything is finite right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that causes so many roadblocks for so many people and that everything is figureoutable. Everything can be managed. Everything can move forward and everything can shift. And that's OK. And I, and I even mentioned this morning uh, at a meeting, I asked, what is the number one roadblock for people's business? Because I, I strictly speak on the business angle. Mm -hmm. But what is the number one roadblock for people's business? What is the number one bottleneck for people's business themselves. Yeah, it is. It truly is. It really is. But we, we project, if we have a team, we try to figure out, you know, what is, you know, how come this person's not doing it? How come this person's not doing it? How come this person's not doing it? And when I go and I work with a, a maybe a business owner that has a team, I tell them, we're going, I'm going to have time where I actually talk to your team as well. And I said, there's going to be feedback. And I'm going to ask the honest questions because I want the honest feedback. 99.9% .9 of the time, the reason is because they're roadblocking, they're bottlenecking, and they're not actually letting the team do what the team wants to do. But then they think it's the team that's the problem. And I was like, no, it's you. It's you. you know, yeah. You're the visionary. You're so good at this. But you're bottlenecking it. So, so true. Just, 
seeing that seeing that there is an option, there is an answer, there is a way to figure it out. There is a, a next step forward. There is always a next step forward. Yeah, and I think there's a quote by Tony Robbins, I think, that says, the only thing that's holding you back from achieving what you want to achieve is the stories you keep telling yourself about so what true. you want to have, what you want to have. And it's so true. Absolutely. Your excuses are the only thing that are holding you back from making progress. And it goes back to what you said earlier, that it those stem from the neurological pathways yeah. that we built in our life, that we, that we have formed from early years on. Early childhood, probably, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so amazing. The science piece of it really geeks me out because the logic analytical side really loves that piece of it. Um, but it's fun to see it come full circle too and be able to be applicable in, you know, the unseen part of how we make ourselves better humans, mm-hmm. how we improve ourselves. You know, so I love what you do. <laughs> <laughs> what, how has the entrepreneurial journey changed you as a person though? Oh, well, yeah. Well, since entrepreneurship is probably the biggest self-development project that you can be on. (laughs) So true. It changed everything because it really forced me to look at my own values and priorities and the things I wanted to do, the things I wanted to do with my life and everything. Where you really have to understand your own thought patterns. You really have to see your own self-sabotaging behavior to get it out of your way because otherwise it would just stop you at every step you take right and then you all also have to really start to understand how other people think how they experience the world the world what motivates them what drives them what they want so yes this really uh, changed how i saw the world because it, it really forced me to think about myself and about other people and about how it all fits together, how the world works. Some of those things that I had never really thought of before because I was just doing what I was doing. (laughs) Where do you see yourself in the future? What's your big, huge, audacious goal? Oh, well, the big audacious goal. That's a good one. not really sure. Not really sure about that. So, because for the for the next year, um, I will just focus on on the one on one coaching, and I'm not really sure where this will take me. So, I like to stay open and see where it takes me, and then I will decide next year what the next step will be. So, for the time being, I'm totally fine with just helping people uh, in my one-on-one coaching and then take the next step to something bigger. (laughs) So let the journey dictate. Yes. I'm going with the flow. There you go. That's so good. You're so logically analytical and yet you're going to be uh, analytically let yourself be open. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm such a control freak, but I'm trying to get over it and just... (laughs) be okay to go with the flow and not know everything yet because that's also something that I see so many people struggle with. They don't start if they can't see how they get to their goal. But sometimes you just have to take a step in the right direction and see where it takes you and that's all you 
had to do. That's amazing. It's been an amazing conversation. How can the audience find you and connect with you? Uh, the best thing would probably be to join my Facebook group. It's called uh, Visionary Female Entrepreneurs. And I would love to see them there. And so we can all con connect and build a community. Excellent. Thank you for opening that space for the listeners. And guys, make sure you take her up on that because there's a lot of work being done. I'm certain of it just based off this conversation alone. And you never know, I might see you on the inside of that too. Yeah. But thank you for coming on today, Claudia. This has been a wonderful conversation, wonderful interview. And it's neat to get to hear the perspective of your entrepreneurial journey and what brought you to this and kind of how you got through. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Guys, as always, keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whitedovegannon.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward. 